Amen. Welcome once again to Christ City. It's great to be in the house of the Lord with each of you. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Let us rejoice and be glad in today. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Micah, chapter 7. Have you ever suffered an injury? And though you've healed, you've never given yourself to the same thing again. You've never tried to do the same thing again. You've given up on it. You've set it aside. Deemed it too risky. Now you're held back by the thought of injury once more. I feel the Lord speaking through this verse found in the book of Micah, applying it here. Micah 7, verse 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. There are many today who have suffered injury, and though they've healed, they've never again given themselves to that which caused their injury. Friendship. Relationship. Family life, church life, community, the church body, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have suffered injury and though they've healed, they've never again given themselves to ministry, never again submitted or given themselves to spiritual authority, and the list goes on. And what I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying is this, that the enemy is rejoicing over the fact, as the old saying goes, that they won't get back on the horse that bucked them off. They've given up on it, set it aside, sold it. They deem it too risky. And so now they live held back by the thought of injury once more, choosing a so-called safer way of living. The New Century Version reads, Enemy, don't laugh at me. I have fallen, but I will get up again. Last summer, my son was riding a dirt bike And he had a little spill. Suffered an injury and so off to emergency where they had to perform surgery on his arm, put in three pins and a cast. The time went on and the arm healed. And I remember the day we were leaving the hospital after having the pins removed and the cast taken off, 
and I asked my son if he wanted to get back on the bike again. And without hesitation, his reply, yes. I remember being in the hospital for a checkup when the pins and the cast were still in place. And we left that day and they had to remain. And even when the pins and the cast were still in place, his response was that he couldn't wait to have his arm healed so he could get back on the bike. I even remember the fact that though the pins and the cast were still in place, the injury was still there. He had not yet healed. He wanted to get back on the bike with the pins and cast in place. And you say, yeah, that's a child for you. And I say, yes, and how beautiful it is. You see, how many people living right now have given up on things, set them aside because they suffered an injury? I mean, think about it today. I'll never trust again. I'll never love again. I'll never get involved again. I'll never open up again. I'll never serve again. I'll never try again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. I think of the prophet Jeremiah. There was a time when he said he would never speak the word of the Lord again. Why? Because he had been mocked. Sticks and stones break bones and names hurt too. He had been mocked, he had been rejected, set aside, unjustly treated, ignored. Here's the prophet of the Lord trying to help the people. He suffered an injury, and here he is, Jeremiah 20, verses 7 to 9. Oh, Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shot up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. How many are living today, having suffered an injury and though they've healed, found a way to heal? Life's moved on, the season's passed, but they've never again given themselves to that which caused their injury. I think of Joseph. I mean, surely after all that he suffered, he would never get involved with family again. Here's this dreamer, this young dreamer, full of life, excited. And his brothers hate the dreams and hate the dreamer. And so what do they do? They throw him in a pit. Then they sell him into slavery. 
He's in a land he didn't grow up in. And there he finds himself in Potiphar's house serving. And then, then what happens? Even though he's faithful and loyal and steadfast, and he's unjustly accused. And so then he's thrown in prison. And just when it seems like there's hope, he's forgotten. Until one day when the Lord pulled him out and put him in command. And we understand what was taking place in the land. There was a shortage of food. And his family needed provision. And so the father sends the sons to go and gain provision. But what they didn't know is they'd have to appear before that brother they injured. So many years ago. Surely after sustaining such an injury, he wouldn't get involved with family once again. I mean, what would his response be? Would he reject them? Would he cast them out of his presence? Would it be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Genesis 50, verses 16 to 20. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died, saying to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You know, often the highlighted words are, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. But listen to the words of Joseph. Am I in the place of God? He suffered an injury. He'd healed. And here he is getting involved with family again. The very ones that wronged him. What of Job? I mean, surely Job would give up on God in the whole process after what he suffered. What a processing this man went through. Why? Because he was righteous. Perhaps that'll change our perspective on things today. He went through this process because he was righteous. Often when we go through a process with the Lord or a process in the kingdom, whatever it may be, we look for what's wrong. What are we doing wrong? Why is this happening? But it says that it's because he was righteous. Listen to Job 1, beginning at verse 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. 
And that man was blameless and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day. And would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and all around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, go for it, Lord. Go for it, God. Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Job lost everything. Job suffered injury. His oxen and donkeys taken away. His sheep dead. His camels taken away. His servants dead. His sons and daughters dead. Now I encourage you to read the book. Ask my son what day, our oldest. Which book was his favorite book in the Bible? He said, Job. That'll teach you a thing or two about life and about kingdom living. Job 1, verses 20 and 21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 1 verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Incredible. How many have sinned and charged God with wrong for much less? And then we get to chapter 2, Job 2, beginning of verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. I mean, God, hasn't this man undergone enough processing in his life? And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? 
Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still, he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd with him with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Thank you for the counsel, sweetheart. And so he responds, verse 10, but he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? I'm just asking the church today. Let's let the Spirit ask the church today. Because he was righteous. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity in all this Job did not sin with his lips. Even in the midst of surgery, when the pain was real, when the infliction was great, even when Job was not yet healed, here was a man that did not give up. I'd like to say today that there are many that speak amiss concerning Job. But the Lord has the final say. I ask today, if we went through what Job went through, would we curse God and die? We say, what an extreme case. You're right. If we went through what Job went through, would we curse God and die? And the reality is there are those that have suffered far less of an injury than Job and they have done just that. They've cursed God and they've never ridden again. They've cursed God and they've died from whatever it was. They've perished from whatever it was they once gave themselves to. They've given up on it. They've set it aside. They've sold it. They've deemed it too risky. And now they're held back even though the future's bright, it's the promise of God. They're held back for fear of injury once more. The book plays out. What do we read at the end of it all? God bless Job. He restored Job. Again, I encourage you to read the book. It's so full of relevant truth. He was an upright man, blameless. 
And we read toward the end that after it all, after the Lord gave him back possession and gave him back land and gave him back sons and daughters and all of this, God says in his book, after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Curse God and die. I say, bless God and live. Are you injured? Have you suffered an injury? Might be that you're here today and the pain is very real. In the middle of the process. Perhaps the healing's taking place. Perhaps you healed, but you're held back. Whatever you once gave yourself to, you've chosen a safer life. I think of David, a man under authority. He was faithful. He was loyal. David served the house of Saul. What happened? Saul saw the Lord's favor upon David's life, and he didn't like it. And so jealousy and envy set in. And Saul set out to kill David. And David had to flee for his life. And just to sum up the Scripture, there was a time when he was on the run. And he's hiding in the hill. And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness, and there he was encamped in the hill. We pick up the text, but David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp, with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Abimelech and to Abishai, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? He responded, I'll go down with you. And so David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. With his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Lord, give us a heart like David that even in the midst of wrong against us, we remain upright. Have you suffered an injury? Have you suffered an injury? And, oh, you've healed. You've called it quits. 
Micah 7.8, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Perhaps you need to make this your verse today. And what does it say in the book of Proverbs? Proverbs 24, verse 16, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. And I like how the message reads, don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them no matter how many times you trip them up. God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. And then we read Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered, established by the Lord, and he delights in their way. Though they fall, they shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds them with his right hand, with his hand. Have you been injured? And though you've healed, there are are things you just simply decided never to give yourself to again. Like a young boy that falls off a bike not days before his birthday. Ready to ride again. Ready to get up again and get back on. Maybe someone's hearing this today and they no longer attend church because they got hurt once. And so they've given up on church life. They've walked out on the family. Walked out on their family. I'd just like to say today that an injury doesn't void the commandments of the Lord. Though we suffer an injury, it doesn't void the commandments of the Lord. And so we read a verse like Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, God didn't write in the book and say, well, if you suffered an injury, you're allowed to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's no room for that. Just because we've suffered an injury, it doesn't matter what it is today, it doesn't void the commandments of the Lord. The Passion Translation reads, this is not the time, and I believe this is a, this is a, a word for today. This is not the time to pull away and neglect abandoned meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. You see, this is the reality. Listen to those words. As some have formed the habit of doing. Forsaking the assembly of the saints, that's a habit that people get into have formed the habit of doing. It starts maybe once, and you know it's easier to do it the second time, right? And finally you get past the point of even feeling like it matters and you just fall into a habit of something else. And Again, I just say an injury doesn't void the commandments of the Lord. Don't rob yourself of all that God has for you because you suffered an injury. 
I think of, you know, children playing, suffering injury, and then two minutes later they're back on the pitch, ready to go. Somebody says something and then they just make up and they're back on the field, they're playing again, right? Adults, why do we get so hard? So set in our ways. So I'll never trust again. I'll never love again. I'll never respect again. I'll never honor again. I'll never serve again. I'm not giving again. I'm not getting involved again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Maybe we're dealing with offense today. Perhaps we've healed. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22 in the Passion Translation, Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? I mean, we would say at the best, three strikes, you're out or I'm out. Walk out on church life, that church, that pastor, that person, they offended me. See you later. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Let's go find a better church. Let's just hope the problem's not you. Peter approached Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? I want to ask today, how would you answer? How would I answer? Well, guess what? This is what Jesus answered. He said, not seven times. Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times, seven times. So you're going, okay, let's just calculate that. Then when I'm done that, no, it's a metaphor. You know what he's saying? Forgiveness that is limitless. Because if there is repentance, there is room for forgiveness. You see, we're already calculated. Like, I love Peter's approach. How many times? Seven? He probably thought he was being generous. He didn't go, how many times, Lord? Twice? Three times? Four? So surely the Lord's going to give me a pat on the back. Seven times? No, no. You know, perhaps it's ungodly response to mercy today. Verses 23 to 35, listen to this. In the Passion Translation, the lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There was once a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, pay me what you owe. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment toward his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I'll repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. Incredible mercy. 
just having received incredible mercy, released, forgiven this this billion-dollar debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you better pay me right now everything you owe me. We can have the worship team return today. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I'll repay. I'll repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In this same way, my heavenly Father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart toward your fellow believer. Quite the words. Maybe you don't want to ride again because you felt like you were taken advantage of. Maybe more than once. Listen, the reality is we're all going to sustain and suffer injury in this life and in the kingdom and in family life, if you know what I'm talking about. This is a family. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what it is today for you. Perhaps it's friendship. You're just not giving yourself to friendship anymore. You've given yourself to friendship before and injury. And though you've healed and you've come to the place where I don't need any friends, I'm just going to live life and learn to cope, I learn to man- manage my existence without that kind of a relationship. Maybe it is exactly that, a relationship. You know what it could be today? You've suffered injury and you just said, I'm done with family life. I'm done with church life. Forget the community, the church body, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, once I served, once I I really gave myself to things and I was involved in ministry and I got hurt. Newsflash. You want to be used to God in ministry? Get ready for some injury. Maybe that you're injured by spiritual authority. 
And so now you're not under any authority. Never again submit to authority. As outlined in the Word of God. It's closing out all possibility of injury. Perhaps it's something that hasn't been vocalized today except by the Holy Spirit whispering to you right now. And you know what it is. You're saying, I'll never trust again. You might be sitting here right now. You've heard this entire message. You've read these scriptures. You've taken in these true historical accounts of these people in the Word of God that serve as our examples. And you're just saying, I'm never going to trust again. Even after hearing all this, I'll never trust again. I'll never love again. I'll never get involved. I'm not getting involved again. I'm not going to care again. I'm not going to open up again. I've opened myself up too many times, so now I'm just going to remain shut up. I'll never serve again. I'll never try that again. I'll never dream again. I'll never step out again. I'll never share the gospel again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. sum this up what would the Holy Spirit say what would the word of the Lord be to each one today a prophetic word it would be this it's a day to get back on the bike and ride again don't let the enemy rejoice over you you've fallen now arise the Lord is here to heal people Lord is already at work in this place. Touching hearts. Might look all good on the outside like you got it all together. But inside you have a wounded heart. Learn to live with it. Or perhaps the injury is has healed. It's just very simple. I I keep repeating it, but you're just saying, I'm not giving myself to that ever again. I don't know what that is for you today. But just like a little boy that fell off his bike, could have sold the bike and bought him something else. It's too dangerous. Don't get back on. Just like a little boy who'd fallen off a bike and suffered an injury with pins and a cast on, ready to get back on the bike. That's the kind of spirit God wants in his people. That's the kind of spirit God wants in you. Because the truth is we're going to get injured in this life. We're going to get mocked in this life. Ridiculed, ignored. It might even be by those closest to us. You ever sustained an injury by someone in your family? 
What's the Lord saying today? He's here to heal you. And the healing process begins. The pins come out, the cast comes off. Strength returns. Give yourself. Do it again. Give yourself to it again. Whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, to give yourself to it again. Don't stop. Don't live the rest of your life held back because you're scared of getting injured once again. What kind of a life and existence is that? That's where the enemy rejoices over us, saying, I've won. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I'm going to break this down in the voice. But when I tell myself I'll never... I don't know what it is today. We're going to put blanks in there. When I tell myself I'll never... Never what? I tell myself I'll never get involved again. I tell myself I'll never go to church again. Tell myself uh, I'll never give again. I'll never witness again. I was injured how they responded to me. I'll never reach out again. They took advantage of me. I'll never give anybody a handout again. Why? Because I saw them get up and go purchase something that the money wasn't for. What is it today? I tell myself I'll never fill in the blank. As Jeremiah said, it's no use. God burns in my heart like a fire in my bones. Perhaps you fit the prodigal, prodigal story today. Because of the injury you've brought upon yourself, the pride, the foolishness, the shame, the low-level living, I'm not going to get involved with the Lord anymore. The injury you've inflicted on yourself. You've learned to manage eating scraps. I'd like to say to you today, his eyes are on the horizon and his heart beats and burns, longing to see you return. Longing to see you. There you are injured. It's your own injury. You've brought it upon yourself. You spent all on wild living. Your own way. 
But just like the prodigal son one day, you're going to have to make a decision if that's your heart. Otherwise, you'll remain there forever. You're going to have to break your pride and, and say, I will rise. I have fallen, but I will rise. Enemy, you rejoice over me right now. You've been rejoicing over me because of the state of my living, but I will rise and go to my father. He's calling the prodigals home. I don't know. You could be a prodigal altogether. We can speak to other things as well. No show of hands today, but if you suffered an injury and you know that this is speaking right to you, it's the Holy Spirit. It's a day to get back up. It's a day to rise. It's a day to ride again. It's a day to give yourself to these things once more. Thank you, Lord.